This message is brought to you by ABC Church in Ammonford, West Wales. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org. So Gideon is, and we're doing chapter 7 of Judges. And I've called this Preparing for Battle. Now, there are three common enemies that people usually say we've got. And apparently this is what's in the common prayer. Now, I didn't know that till I looked it up. I thought it was scripture, but it's not the common prayer. And those three enemies, apparently, they are the world, the flesh, and the devil. Wow. Right? So everybody has those enemies. And in the first chapter of of, uh, uh, Gideon, uh, that's uh, Judges chapter 6, Gideon, we see, has fought the flesh and the world. He's fought the flesh because he had to um, conquer and overcome his own insecurities, his own inferiority complex, his own powerlessness. He's looking at his nation overrun by the Midianites and they're stealing from them and they're wrecking them. And And he doesn't know what to do. He's lost faith in God. Well, he doubts him. His, even his religion is compromised religion. They're worshipping idols as well as God. And he has to overcome all this. And he does it by obeying God. The only way he does it is by obeying what God tells him to do. Then he has to do the world. And the world is your culture. I think of the world. I can't see us fighting ISIS, I must be honest. We're not going to go to Aleppo, are we? That's not our fight. Our fight is here. Our fight is now. We go to Jerusalem. That's our Jerusalem is Ammonford. That's where our fight is. That's where the culture is. And this is anything that opposes God. That's the world. That's what it means when it says the world. All these things that rise up and oppose God in this world. Where to fight them? And he did it. He did that. Down he went with ten men and tore down the idol altar. How did he do it? By obeying God. And he becomes an altered man. Isn't that wonderful? He becomes, that's what I read, he was an altered man. And that's what Mark's been speaking about, I think. That's what you've been trying to get across. You change. Something happens inside of us. So, that's last week. So, my first question, I've got a few questions to ask is, are you altered by your faith? Mark's just asked it. Are you altered by your faith? Has it made any difference in your life? And this morning, I feel I'm preaching to the converted. But I prepared this, so I've got to go with it. So there we go. <laughs> I've got to hear it in any case, let me tell you. <laughs> like an old lumpet. That's what it is. <laughs> so we're going to read part of chapter of Judges chapter 7. It's going to go up in the NIV. For you. Early in the morning, Jerubal, that's Gideon, and all his men camped at the spring of Harod. The camp of Midian was north of them, in the valley near the hill of Morah. The Lord said to Gideon, You have too many men for me to deliver Midian into their hands. 
in order that Israel may not boast against me that her own strength has saved her, announce now to the people, anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So 22,000 men left, while 10,000 remained. Right, we'll stop there. 22,000 men left. He was 10 men breaking down the idol altar. 10 men went with him. He's now rallied 32,000 men to fight. These men want to fight the enemy. They've joined the army. We don't talk like that in church anymore. Do you know it's politically incorrect? She was the songs used to say. Onward Christian soldiers. I suppose he'd been in Fatherlone Welsh. We shouldn't be using those. It's politically incorrect to talk about warfare. And yet Bible is full of warfare. Yeah, yeah. Full of warfare. And so he had thirty two thousand men ready to fight. And God says this You're too many because they'll steal my glory. Wow. They will say they did it in their own strength and I won't get the glory. The most dangerous thing a church can do is brag. Brag. Aren't we great? Fantastic. Aren't you wonderful? Aren't we all wonderful? Bragging. God gets the glory. Salvation is the Lord's from beginning to end. And unless he calls, nobody can come in through the door, no matter how much you worship, how good your worship is, how good your preaching is, how good your youth is, how good your jolly tots is, how good anything is in the church. Unless God calls, men can't come. He draws and he will have the glory for himself. So when we have any success, we say it's because of him, not because of our talent. And so that was the first thing. I don't want to spend too long on that. But the next thing he says is, all those who are fearful. Fear is contagious. It's hugely contagious. We see it when, they went, when, when the spies went in to see the land with Moses. He sent them in. They came back. Whoa, they're too big for us. There's giants there. Oh, we can't go in. The whole nation, apart from two men, said, we're not going. We're refusing to go. It was so contagious that a million and a half people listened to it. That's how contagious fear is. So when you have people like this in the church saying, we can't do it. We shouldn't do it. It'll, it'll spread. But that's not really what I want to concentrate on. There are other things, I believe, that stop us from wanting to fight. One by one, we're not wrestling flesh and blood, but principalities and powers. Right? The, can you put that verse up, leave for me, please? Because I, I haven't got it. And the weapons that we fight with and not carnal, where they're mighty for the tearing down of strongholds. So you need a spiritual weapon to defeat the spiritual enemy. Have you got it? Because if the enemy isn't people, we know he is. The devil, Satan, whoever you want to name. But it's not people. 
So we can't use the same weapons against him. We have to use different weapons. And here's it says, a struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So question number one. Do you think Armandford needs changing? Right or? Yeah? Do you think it can be changed? Yeah? yeah? You wouldn't be the ones to do it. There's only a couple said answer that. And that's the question. Because we don't get involved in the fight. Not just because we're frightened, but sometimes for other reasons. I studied this. I studied. I looked it up. I googled it. <laughs> Come on. Let's call it what it is. I'm not going to write a thesis of what I discovered. It ain't research. <laughs> but I did read a few articles. We say that, don't we? I've studied it. Oh, I googled it and read this. Uh, <laughs> I forgot what I was going to say now. <laughs> Where was I? I've gone off on it. Never mind. So, oh, I've forgotten, I've forgotten, I've lost my train of thought completely now. This is tiredness. Gone. Right, we don't, we're, so we're not wrestling this flesh and blood. We're wrestling against these principalities, these powers in the heavenly places. So are you going to join in the fight to stop what's happening in Amford? And this is what God says. In, in Judges, he says, Send them back if they're not willing to fight. You have a choice. You have a choice. It's up to you. God won't persuade you, but won't cajole you. It is up to every one of us individually to decide, I'm going to fight that enemy. I'm going to get in here and I'm going to fight him. When they were building the temple, here's what God said. He said, let everyone who has it in his heart Bring what he will to build the temple. Right. In the New Testament, we are told God loves a cheerful giver because what he says is that everyone determine in his heart what he is to give. So if you want to fight the enemy, your choice. You can or you cannot. But God has put on this earth the church as the only means of defeating the devil. The world can't fight him. They're blinded by the devil. They are dead in trespasses and sins. The only people who can fight the enemy is you and me, is the church in Ammonford. Now that's quite a staggering point to make. But that's how God has planned it. That's what we're here for. We're here to fight an enemy. We're here to take ground, take it back from him. He's stolen most of Wales. Yeah. Most of Wales is under the authority of God. And Satan's come in and stolen it from us. So we are to take back the ground. We're to release captives. We're to gain ground. It looks as if we're losing at the moment. Yes. Yeah? <laughs> it looks as if we're losing. But we're on the winning side. And somebody has said, I googled this too, there is more, we have more power than the 300 men of Gideon. We are the only ones able to effect a change in Amford. And by we, 
I mean the church is. Because I'm not talking about church as a material thing that we come to church. We are the church. This is the church. That's it. We. So if we don't choose to do it, there is no church to do it. It's not going to happen. Some spiritual mysticism going to happen. It's down to us. So if you go with me, because I don't think we quite get our part in it. And this is the problem. So if you go with me to Ephesians 4. Right. Sorry. It is he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers. To prepare God's people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up. Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. How fabulous is that? That's the church. That's us. This is what we're part of. And every single person who comes here and owns the name of Christ, you're here. This is who you are. And they're given to the church, the apostles and the teachers and the preachers and the pastors and the evangelists. And they are there to equip us so that we do the work of the ministry. Now that gets confusing because people ask, what's my gift? What's my gift? What's my calling? Don't know what I'm meant to do. I've heard this for so many years. This is your gift. This is your calling. Minister to the saints. That's what we called to do. It's another thing I read while I'm doing this. <laughs> I read a lot. <laughs> it said that lots of people leave churches because there is so much emphasis placed outside the church and people inside the church get ignored. So they leave. We got me. But the body should minister to each other. So we're equipped from here isn't it? Yeah. Phil, Ian, at the moment I think it's Phil and Andra dealing with the flesh in us. Isn't it? How to overcome the flesh in us. You know, it's okay not to be okay. You know, change, change. You know, Ian deals then with this huge teaching about the greater um, global aspect of the church and things in it. And um, so, oh gosh, I've lost it again. I'm so sorry. I am so sorry. But we are called to take part in all of this. All right? So that we are informed from here, and then all of us minister to each other. It's not being ministered to, it's ministering. 
the, the, the role of the Levites, the Levite priests, was to take care of everything to do with the temple. So that's what we're meant to do. So, you know, so there's Romans, um, yes, Romans 12, it says, you know, they're, they're the gifts of generosity, the gifts of caring, the gift of hospitality, the gift of um, encouragement, the gift of coming alongside people. All of these things are in the church. It doesn't have to come from the front. Do you get me? And people think, being ministered to, you have to have a role. You have to have a place. You have to have something with a label stuck in you to say what you're part of. But actually, it's just loving each other. That's all it is. So we care for each other so that everybody in the church gets cared for because all of the church is ministering. Does that make sense? And we read it that the ministering comes from the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists and the teachers and the pastors and we sit and take. But we're only taking so that we can get filled up to give to everybody else so that everybody here can be built up into the fullness of Christ himself. Wow! That's church. Church is not some ethereal thing. That is church. And that's what's put on this earth to defeat Satan because men will look in and say, by this will all men know you, my disciples, by your love for one another. And we miss it. Most churches miss it. It is said, a study has been done, that in most churches, 20% of people do all of the work. So if you're in a church of 500, there's only 100% of people who are actually, only 100 people minister. The rest just attend. They don't do anything. That's not an army. That is not an army. Thank God that the armies don't work like that. Yeah. That every one of them fight. Yeah, that every one of them work. Yeah, yeah. And all of us, every one of us, but that is, that's a fact. It's a study made of churches. 20% work. I think mainly it's because we don't know what to do. I think lots of people just haven't got a clue what to do. How they think they have to be involved in something big. But it's just ministering, loving each other. But it is serving every week. And actually, um, James mentioned it. Every single week in this church, we get fresh flowers put out. Every week, without fail. They're not just carnations that's been picked. And we get seasonal flowers. Oh yeah, I notice. We get, we get spring flowers. We get summer flowers. We get autumn flowers. And we love Christmas flowers. Somebody does that every week. Somebody goes out, buys the flowers, comes here, and gets rid of the old ones, washes the, the vases, and puts them out. And most of us don't know her name. And I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> you can find out. Most of us don't know. Silently done. Silently done. 
but he's ministering to the body. Because yeah. believe me, we'd feel the draft if there were no flowers around. Because if a man can notice that we've got flowers around, yeah? yeah. It's doing something, isn't it? God, I don't notice much. But, but can you see where I'm coming from? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. To fight for an army to fight an enemy, we have to be together, everybody playing his part. That's the army of God. You're all called. You're priests and saints. That's what he calls you, priests and saints. You're holy. You're loved. Christ has died for you because he loved you so much. And out of love for him, I minister to other people and love them. That's the church. And that, I think, is where fear comes in. And sometimes it's just too much effort. It's just too much effort. It's too much effort to attend. Which would be just to see how many of you turn up to pray and praise. Because sometimes it's just too much effort. Bake Off is on a Wednesday. Yeah, oh, I mean, I'll tape that, but then I can get in an eye player and it's on again in the week, so I won't miss it. But big, you know, we, we sometimes just put so much in front because attending is supporting. Attending is supporting, really supporting people. You know, it's not many here today, but I'm sure they've got reasons. But I'll talk attendance. It's all that Mark was saying. What's really changed? What's really changing you? Because you should be part of an army. An army of people who want to fight an enemy that is wrecking the kids in this town. Ruining them. Stealing them from the church. Too much effort. Too much effort. Get involved in that. Too much effort. Malachi says, bring all the ties into the storehouse. And see if I will not open up the windows of heaven. Pour you up such a blessing, you won't have room to contain it. Bring it all in. Bring, bring everything in. Bring all the tithes, it says. Your money, your time, your effort. Bring it into the body, not the building, the people. Build up, build up, till we become Christ-like and glowing, shining. Can you imagine people saying, Wow, we see the love in that church. You should see what they do for each other. Because if it doesn't start here, forget about it out there. Forget about it out there. Start here. Right? Right. That's number one. Point number one. I had a name for that. What does I call it? Oh. Number two. It's four to eight. Oh, I've got to say this before I start with service. Otherwise, I'd, I'd, I'd be... When Jesus died, and he was buried, and he was dead, and descended into hell, and he rose again, and he came back down to earth. And the disciples had given up. Thought it was hopeless. They'd gone back to fishing. And out there were fishing. And they looked and saw a man on the shore. You read about it in John a man on the shore and John says it's the Lord Peter rushes out of the boat they say he pulls up his, his things up around him and he runs down to Jesus and Jesus isn't standing there telling them how fantastic it is how glorified he is now 
Now, look, I've done what I said. Now, what Jesus is doing, he's cooking them breakfast. He's making them, he's frying fish. He's looking after the saints. He's ministering to his disciples. He's giving them what they need. That is our measuring stick. Not how great we are, but how well do I love other people and look after them. What do I do for the people in this church that would please God? I think that's the question. Right. Number two. And I've only got two points. How thirsty are you? You're four to eight. Can I have four to eight of uh, judges, uh, Lee? When I read this, I can make head or tail of it. No, Judges 7, sorry, verse 4 to 8. That's Deborah. She was good too. Yeah, come on, Deborah. <laughs> I feel like Deborah sometimes. But the Lord said to Gideon, There are still too many men. Take them down to the water, and I will sift them for you there. If I say this one shall go with you, he shall go. But if I say this one shall not go with you, he shall not go. So Gideon took the men down to the water. And there the Lord told him, separate those who lap the water with their tongues like a dog from those who kneel down to drink. The 300 men lapped with their hands to their mouths. All the rest got down on their knees to drink. The Lord said to Gideon, with the 300 men that lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hands. Let all the other men go, each to his own place. So we're down from 10,000 now to 300. I can't tell you how many commentaries I've read on this verse. The lapping, by the end, when there's somebody, one of them said, it has something to do with wild Egyptian dogs roaming the desert. I thought, I'm giving up now because I have lost the plot. I didn't know what, well, I don't know, lapping dogs bending down. Well, I thought, I can't get this. None of them totally agreed. There is no consensus of opinion on what this means. So it's, it's my opinion. Right. Those who bent it says it's amazing. So those who bent down with their knees, first of all, it doesn't seem, seem sensible to bend down when you're drinking water, doesn't it? But God couldn't use those. those are not, God couldn't use them. I thought, what is going on here? And this is why. I've always thought this is about unity, but it's also about greediness. The men who bent down, it said, threw themselves on the ground with their face buried in the water, drinking thirstily, greedily. All right? Whereas, and what that did was, I forget, we're fighting an enemy. They had to take off their armour. They had to throw away their shield and their sword. They had to lay them down in order to get into that position, which made them vulnerable to the enemy's attack. Wow. So, what does that mean for us? Because I don't think we're going to go out and bury our faces in some pool somewhere and drink. But what does it mean? You know? I mean, they were selfish. Their need for the water 
overrode that fear of the enemy. We can take our eyes off the ball with our selfishness. We can really take our eyes off the ball. And when it comes to unity, you know, we allow lots of things that are irrelevant to break the unity in the church. And I think this is what this is saying. When we are in disunity as a body of people, we are vulnerable to Satan's attacks. Yeah? Yes. It's, it's terribly sad. And so what we do is, we all have our opinions. And as Andrew will tell you, she has more opinions than most. <laughs> but opinions don't mean a thing. They don't mean a thing. Support. And don't get me wrong. If something is morally wrong, if something is theologically or doctrinally incorrect and it's in error, if something has lack in integrity, then don't support it. Don't support it. But just because I have a preference, a personal preference, I don't like, I don't agree, I don't think, you know, I can absolutely 100% tell you now that you are not 100% right in your opinions. Because none of us are. They're just opinions. And churches are flattened because of opinions. It's just an opinion. But when I am self-absorbed and went my own way, and can't see beyond me, then I am vulnerable to the enemy. And I cannot fight what I'm vulnerable to. And so it's hugely important, you know, that we just support, for goodness sake, just support people. You know, I'm not going there because she's offended me and I won't go here because I don't agree with that and I'm not going there because I really don't like that. Just support. This is a body, it's a family. We don't not go to family gatherings because we don't like the food that's put in on the table, surely. You know, oh, I like the way they cut the chicken, I'm not going to go there. You know, some people do, I'm sure. But that's how pitiful it is because that's how nitpickety it is. When we, when we stick in this ridiculousness and God says, can't use that. So I can't use this because really they'll take my glory. These don't want to fight. These here just want their own way. They're so greedy to get what they need from the church. They're not giving anything. I can't use them. So he ended up with 300 men up to 32,000. Think about it. There were 300 men you could use out of 32,000 men. That's sad, isn't it? That's 1%. That's 1%. So when you look at the church, for pity's sake, let's not be like that. Please, let's not be like that. Let's be people who at least have 80% of the people on board and going for it. You know, not the 20. The ratio now is 20 to 80. Let's be an 80-20 church, at least, you know. Scripture says, put others before yourself. 
Think less of yourself than you do of others. Put others up. Push them forward. You stay back if necessary, but push them forward. Let them do it. You know? But we get taken up. We get taken up. And we don't fight the enemy. But thank God. God does. Can I tell you a little story from the Old Testament that sums this up perfectly for me? And I've got it here in the message. And it's, um, if you want to read it, when you go, Miss Joshua, sorry, it's Exodus 17, verse 12. And this is it. Amalek came and fought Israel at Rephidim, but Moses ordered Joshua, select some men for us and go out and fight Am- Amalek. Tomorrow I will take my stand on top of the hill holding God's staff. Mm. Joshua did what Moses ordered in order to fight Amalek, and Moses, Aaron and Hur went to the top of the hill. It turned out that whenever Moses raised his hands, Israel was winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, Amalek was winning. But Moses' hands got tired, so they put a stone under him. He sat in it, and Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on each side. So his hands remained steady until the sun went down. Joshua defeated Amalek and his army in battle. When I read that, I thought, do you know what? There's only four people named there. Only four people named. There's only Moses, Joshua, Aaron, and Hur. And that's the only time you'll hear Hur mentioned. He's not mentioned anywhere else in the Bible. He is regarded to be um, a companion of Moses and Joshua. The church and the battle is won by companions of ours. We're the companions. And Moses up in this mountain, he had his hands up, standing up with his hands up, praying. And he got weary under it. And I think of leadership who have to get the plan from God of how we're to go forward. And the weight that's on them, there's a weight on leadership. They're responsible before God for how this church is run. <laughs> Mark is sitting there, I'm like... There's a, but they are responsible before God. There's a weight on them to take care of people. And he couldn't hold it up on his own. So the battle was waning because nobody was helping him. And sometimes that's what the church is like. And so along come Aaron and her, and they hold his arms up with them because they need support. Leadership needs support. So when they put people in position, those people are supports. Youth is a support. Kids work is a support. Creative team is a support. Jolly Tots is a support. Everything we do is a support for the leadership who've had the blueprint on how to go. And if we're not praying for those things, if you're part of those things and not praying for them, my word, why are you part of it? I've got to ask you, I'm very sorry. Why? If you're not praying for success in the areas that you're involved in, if you're not holding the arms up, what's the point? What's the point? And down on the battlefield, there were thousands of men who were unnamed. Thousands of them unnamed. Only Joshua was named. The battle wouldn't have been won without them. Battle wouldn't have been won without them. So an unnamed man, an unknown man, and thousands of unnamed, I will win the battle that day because they 
or supports. The church is built. I mean, look, I'm not going to get my name in lights. Let's be honest. Some of you may. Most of us are not going to get our name in lights. We're not going to be known. We're the unknown. Do you know what? There's an unknown soldier in every war. And there's a grave to him. They're honoured. This is the lesser part that he speaks of in the body. Those parts, they call it the weaker part, the lesser part of the body. That has greater honour. Can't do it without foot soldiers. We can't do it without foot soldiers. Sometimes foot soldiers want to be the general. Wrong. But that's how the church should work. Because you see, everybody doing his part. And I've got to tell you, do you know how they defeated the enemy? Anybody got on and read Judges 8? Because I'm not going to do it again. God's plan comes along. Man has a dream about a loaf of bread coming down and crushing them. Somebody hears the dream. There's Gideon and somebody hears about this dream and God gives them a plan. But ultimately, know how they won? Men go with lights in their lanterns and they break the lantern and it's the 300 lights that put, the team, that put the enemy to flight. Let your light so shine before men. This is what we're called to do. This church is called to be a light in a dark place. And it's meant not to be a dim light. Lots of places now, I think we're just dim lights. We're meant to be glowing bright so that we attract attention and dispel the enemy. That's what we're meant to be as a church. We're meant to attract. Imagine, one light, you notice it. In the darkness, it doesn't matter how small the light, you will notice it. And that's what we're meant to be. We're meant to be a light so that the world looks in and says, Wow, what have they got there? It's What are they doing there? And they're attracted to us, the church, not just us. I'm talking about the global church. They're attracted to the church and the darkness is dispelled. That's how you defeat the enemy. No? Not by fancy footwork and whatever we think is right and our ideas and all things. Defeat the enemy very simply. Love. Love never fails. And it'll fill your jars with light quicker than anything else I know. Because if you love people, if you have love for God and love for people, then you'll defeat him. But choice is yours. Up to you. This message was brought to you by ABC Church. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org or search for us on Facebook or Twitter. You can also contact us by phone on 01269 596000.